Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley, and I am here with Matt Stevens, the Illini guy's beat reporter, who is all over the spring football. And because of some of the fun this week, had the rare opportunity to see three Illini basketball coaches at the same time with uh, Coach Underwood, Coach Self, and of course, um, why am I why am I blanking? That would be Lon Kruger. That's it. Thank you, Coach Kruger. Kruger. I'm seeing his face, and I want to say Weber, and I'm like, no, we we can't get. No, I don't Bruce think we can get there. I, I don't think we can get Bruce and Bill in the same room. But anyway, um, Bruce was not there. <laughs> it was not a so, funeral. Yeah, so we'll save that for a few minutes because we have um, a lot of things going on in football. As the um, you know, we're having an open kind of semi-open practice uh, scrimmage on Saturday, and mm-hmm. that is heading into the spring game which will be next thursday night and it will be on the big 10 network so it's pretty exciting things coming up for the football program matt so um tell us some overall general thoughts you've been you've been you've been over in champagne spending a lot of time um what are you hearing uh, any any headline stories or any top line things that you want people to know about well i think i think uh if you if you asked me Right now, do I think the Illini have maybe a top four running back room in the Big Ten Conference? I would say yes. I think that with Chase Brown and with Josh McCray, just the overall, I don't think they have a um, game changer NFL type guy in that room. Um, Maybe Chase Brown will change my mind. Maybe Josh McCray will change my mind. Um, But I do think that with the, the level of depth that Corey Patterson has to play with in that room, meaning Chase Brown, Josh McCray, Reggie Love coming back from injury, Aiden Lawfrey and Jordan Anderson trying to, you know, carve a role for themselves as incoming early enrollee freshmen. Uh, I, I think that Corey Patterson has a real big challenge on his hand in order to maybe get 40 to 45 carries split between maybe three dudes. And he did a really good job of playing hot potato with that position a lot last year and trying to get guys as fresh as they can um, for the fourth quarter. And I think it really paid off. And I think he's going to have to do that again because he's got even more talent in that room. Um, And so I think that's the real big bright spot for Illinois. And quite honestly, you know, number, number three, the guy that they're snapping the ball to Tommy DeVito, I have not been able to get a, a personal verification. I will get that on Saturday as to how he's looking in team settings, but he's getting a whole lot of reps, Mike. I mean, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again and I'll keep saying it. If Tommy DeVito can't win this quarterback job, I don't know what to tell you because Art can't throw right now. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, RJ's, Ryan Johnson's Ryan Johnson. Samari Collier's not ready yet. Um, I think he could could kneel down at the 20-yard line and throw it out of the end zone right now. Um, But he can't throw. It's kind of like a guy who throws 100 and you don't know where it's going. Um, It's Evans. Yeah, his, his, he, yeah, he's he's the Charlie Sheen character for Major yeah. League right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if if you know we don't teach this kid control, he's going to kill somebody. Like he, and Samari gets it. Like yeah. Um, and then they're going to get a big time kid. I think I I don't care that he was only a three star guy, but Donovan when Donovan Leary shows up on campus, I think he's going to be a big time talent in that room. And I think that the future is bright with him. I, I eventually think he's going to be the starting quarterback at Illinois eventually. And that's who Samari Collier is competing with. But to get back to the most important part, Tommy DeVito needs to lead this offense and he needs to find some, some uh, chemistry with the wide receivers. But 
I do think that Bart Miller has uh, at offensive line the the biggest depth that he's had since he showed up on campus. And and judging by what Brett Bielema still gets irked about, which is the comment that he made before the Penn State game, he does have more bodies now that he can count on and more big right. bodies that he can count on and more combinations that he can give Bart uh, that he can work with at this point, because we all know injuries at that position happen. And you've got to figure out how to mix and match five dudes every Saturday to give your best, give you your best chance. And I think that Bart has a way to, you know, you know, chess piece this together a little bit more than he did last year and just kind of make, instead of making Doug Kramer play on one leg, you know, and so at center. So I think that they have some combinations there. So, and on defense, we all know what they were last year and I know they lose Kirby Joseph and I know they lose OC um, Owen Carney, but I I think that there's guys that are ready to step up and make those kind of adjustments um, in those spots. And, they're really excited about, say, their linebackers that they have coming back, including Calvin Hart, who's fully healthy. And um, they're really excited about, you know, the, they're actually kind of excited about the front line that they have. We'll, we'll keep going through this, but the, their ability to go get the quarterback with guys like Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton and even in a developing Bryce Barnes, who we wrote about earlier this week, coming out of the spring 11th spring practice, who's a walk-on, by the way, from Gibson City. I think he's going to play a role on that defensive line for, for JMO, Terrence Jamison. We're going to go through down the line, but there's a lot to be excited about right now. And I think that this team has a heck of a lot more talent than they did say 18 months ago when Brett Bielema was standing on the sidelines of the Penn state 2020 game. Yeah. And, and so there's a lot of of neat things that people can hope for because, you know, we've already set a record for the uh, long biggest amount of overtimes ever played. And we did that with a lot less talent now. But now the neat thing is, is maybe they'll end up winning those games earlier and, and saving us a little bit of time and maybe a, a, a maybe minor heart problems. Um, I will tell you, I saw a picture of Josh McRae. He looks like he went from a uh, just a big bruising kid to a one bad dude. Um, is is that what uh, Tank has done? Because he's he's going to give Adam Fletcher a run for his money if he can transform kids like that. That is exactly what Tank does, Mike. And here's the cool part about that. Okay, Josh McCray was 240 pounds last year as a true freshman. Yeah. Okay. You've seen the pictures coming out of spring this year, and he's been dealing with some soft tissue stuff, and he's kind of been limited this spring. But you've seen the pictures of what his body looks like now, right? Oh my God! Yeah. He's 240 pounds. Yeah. So they've they've decided to take bad weight on and put good weight on with him. And and I think from a physical standpoint, I'm glad you mentioned that, Mike, because he wore down after that Penn State game where he had 140 plus yards and was not prepared to play a 12 to 13 game season um, as a true freshman, which is fine. I don't think a whole lot of people at 18 years old should be or, or are, you know. There's not a whole lot of Javion Clownies in this world that you can just plug in from day one as an 18-year-old and go, hey, go play big boy football, right? Um, I think he's more physically prepared to be that guy that not only can be somebody that, along with Chase Brown, you know, can be the thunder component to what Illinois wants to do with their thunder and lightning, you know, tailback combination. I think that the present of that right now is Chase Brown and Josh McRae. And like, with again, I I wrote about Josh McRae, even though he was kind of going through some injury stuff, because I think he's going to have a big sophomore year because he's physically more developed than, than he was. And there's a reason why SEC schools wanted him to play linebacker, darn it. Like, and Brett Bielema thinks he's the perfect tailback to the lightning component that is Chase Brown. I think for the future, Mike, 
you're going to see thunder and lightning with Aiden Lawfrey and Jordan Anderson. I, yeah. I've already seen it in spring practice where Jordan Anderson is laying dudes out in pass pro right now, which is amazing to me as an 18 year old that he's figured that out. Cause that's the last component that running backs usually figure out if, if they yeah. figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Correct. And then Aiden Lawfrey is a guy that I think Barry Lenny jr. The new offensive coordinator is already trying to figure out a way to get the football to somehow, some way, even as a true freshman, because he has a speed component that's just so unique to everybody else on the field, um, maybe short of Chase Brown. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to see how Josh looks on Saturday, and I can't wait to see how Josh looks in his sophomore year because everything about him just seems to ooze more confidence than he was as an 18-year-old. And I just think a, a confident Josh McCray after what he did last year is, is a pretty scary thought. I, I know it's kind of it, – it, I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit, but when I saw the picture of him, I was like, did somebody just put Regis Ben or, or Richard Mendenhall into, into Josh McCray? I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. And he was such a fun player to watch. And now I'm thinking I'm actually going to feel sorry for those Ohio State linebackers or those Michigan linebackers or whatever linebackers that he gets running into. Um, you know, even, even if it's in the Big Ten championship game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel sorry for him because – that is one bad dude. So I, I'm excited by what I see with what Tank Wright was able to do. There isn't anybody I'll, – I'll, I'll put it into this perspective. On August 27th, I promise you, there isn't anybody in the Mountain West Conference that Wyoming has seen that they're going to try to tackle in the backfield like Josh McCray. Like, <laughs> th th that just does not exist in the Mountain West Conference. I'm sorry. So well, It doesn't exist that much in the Big Ten. I mean, that's no, 240 – Two, 240 pounds of that. I mean, again, you know, he had some baby fat last year. I get it, but he was still imposing. But now, I mean, I'm seriously thinking of doing an apology letter for any negative thoughts I might have had about him. Because no, and that's that's that's, that's scary. That's he's he's that's again, that's that's the definition of tank, right? And I tell you, the other thing is, is that it's for me, it's it's a big reason why I think Josh is going to have a breakout sophomore year, just because of you don't do that without losing confidence coming out of, you know, your freshman year. Yep. And I also think that that, that component, and I'm glad you brought this up, Mike, because there's a lot of people on our boards and a lot of subscribers we have at Illini guys that I still think need their head shifted on what a tailback should look like. And I think Brett Bielema is trying to do that. He's trying to tell fans, see what Josh McCray looks like right now. That's what a tailback's going to look like at Illinois. Like it's, we're not doing this, five foot eight, 175 pound deal anymore. And just do like elusiveness, shifty stuff anymore. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that'll, that'll work out well if there's one of them and hi, my name is Aiden Lawfrey, but um, no, no, I, I, I want big boys. Like I want Josh McCray's. I want Jordan Anderson's. So when everybody who like sees that maybe a big tailback that Brett goes is going after in the future, and you see and you go, well, yeah, but these other schools want him at linebacker or these other schools want him at tight end or H back or all this. Yeah. And Illinois wants him at tailback. Like yeah. that's what that's looking like. And um, I, I just think Brett Bielema is trying to kind of mind mold the idea of the Illini fan into what this is what a tailback ought to look like. You know, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Richard Mendenhall because that's what an NFL tailback looks like. That's what wow. an Illinois tailback is going to look like. And that's what Brett Bielman was trying to push right now with, with what he's doing, not only in recruiting, but in player development with Tank Wright.
Yeah, for the, for those those of you who watch WWE, it looks like Bobby Lashley, um, the former UFC fighter. Because I'm telling you, you know, at six foot two or whatever he is, six three and two forty. I mean, he literally looks like he could climb into a WWE ring and scare the heck out of a WWE guy. So I, I'm all for our tailbacks looking like that. And I just I'm thinking about those linemen. And if, you know, if, if, if what Tank is doing is, is any indication, then we're going to see a Brett Bielma offensive line that's going to start evolving over the years here that's going to be spooky, scary. So I, I'm excited about it because when I see this type of transformation, that you have to have a coach who can motivate players and you have to be recruiting players who have that inner desire. So uh, all around a victory for the coaching staff on this one. I would encourage you just to add a second thought to that, Mike, because you, you talked about offensive line. Folks, go on Twitter, There's there, and you'll have to search for it. But there's a, like, three before and after, three photo before and after deal of Alex Pilstrom, okay? And the, and the first photo was when Alex showed up as a walk-on tight end. The second photo was Alex last year as a backup offensive tackle, offensive guard. And the third photo is him at 315 pounds now as, a, as the starting center of the University of Illinois football team in spring drills. And Brett Bielema mentioned, yeah, the hair is also growing out by pill as well, too. So everything is growing. But to go from a 240-pound, you know, walk-on tight end to a potential starter at center at 310 pounds, and this isn't like three, like four years later. This is two and a half years later. Um, right. And I, I'm just marveling at, at what Alex has been able to do physically with his body. And quite honestly, Mike, I don't want to put this on him because the talent level is just worlds apart. And I get that. But from a physical body standpoint, it matches exactly what I saw out of J.J. Watt. J.J. Yeah. Watt comes to Wisconsin as a as a tight end prospect, 225 pound tight end prospect. And when Wisconsin's ready to beat it, when Wisconsin was ready to beat number one ranked Ohio State in Madison, JJ Watt got, got three sacks and was a 280-pound defensive end who yeah. was unblockable. I mean, un, absolutely unblockable. Um, and so that kind of body transformation is what Brett Bielema got out of you know his his time in Madison. And and Tank Wright is a guy that that learned under Ben Herbert, who is now at Michigan, but was with Brett at Wisconsin and at Arkansas, um, that strength and conditioning program is the real deal, man. I, I, I've documented the amount of weight changes that guys are doing, whether they're going up 20 pounds or down 20 pounds. Um, it, it's, it's kind of remarkable that I think like there were like 60 dudes on there that were at least 10, that, where there was a 10 pound swing from the end of the year to the start of spring. And, and it, that's continuing because I'll use again, you know, I'll, I'll use somebody like Bryce Barnes as an example, who right now is listed as a 255-pound outside linebacker. If you look at the spring roster, Mike, I'm here to tell you, he's a 275-pound defensive end, and he's in Terrence Jamison's room right now. So, and the, he is, he is, uh, he has a, he has fantastic feet. Yes, um, and his athletic ability is out of this world. I actually coached him on my AAU basketball team. Okay, and Bryce has a superpower Bryce does what needs to be done to win you go back and watch Gibson City in in football you go back and watch um, Gibson City in basketball if something needed to be done to win 
Bryce does it? Is it is it catch a unbelievably act, act you know acrobatic pass? Um, yeah, he'll do that. Is it is it you know run over somebody? He can do that too. Is it is it you know stop somebody? Yeah, that's him too. And yeah, the key I, with yeah the key with the Bryce Mike just quickly is that let's just get him to a point where he's not physically overwhelmed at the exactly. position he's playing. And if that's the case, you might have one of the best walk-ons in the country, in my personal opinion. And yeah, I think oh, that's, trust that's me, the sky, the sky is the limit because he's a little bit like Captain America. You know, Captain America's running around out there with all these superheroes, and you're like, how is he going to survive? Yet he ends up being the leader of the pack. Um, so I, I'm excited to see Bryce doing well. Um, yeah. A fantastic uh, uh, person. And um, I, I think, it, it, like you said, giving him somebody like Tank Wright to work out with, he gets out on the field and can use his natural gifts. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. Now, you know, offensively, the team's coming up. We've talked before. They need to get the wide receivers uh, up and running. I, I saw that we had a, um, a a player in town who was in the transfer portal that took a look um, at the Illini. What did the Illini see when they looked at him? They're looking, um, you know, they're looking at him just like, like, you know, he's looking for an opportunity. Um, you, you, you're, you're talking about a kid in, in, in Dallas Daniels, who's been very, very productive at the FCS level at Western Illinois. He's been very, been decently productive at the junior college level, you know, at two different spots. Um, just might not have the physical game-changing capabilities that you would want out of somebody out of the portal. But I've said this, Mike, out of our subscribers, and you know it because I've constantly said it on our boards. Like, if you can find me a game-changer right now, wide receiver in the transfer portal, please point him out to me because I just don't right. find it right now. Right. And um, I think it's it's not a bad scout look for the Illini. They have not offered him a scholarship yet. His only offers, FBS-wise right now, I think are Akron. Uh, I think it's Eastern Michigan and I think middle Tennessee state um, are the three. Um, he does not have a power five offer. They're just taking a look at him just like he's taking a look at Illinois right now. And I think he, by the end of the month, he'll have a decision, but we'll see. Yeah. I've said it before and I'll say it again. They have what they have at wide receiver and look, pardon the pun, but I am very, very high on Brian Hightower. I, I think he, you, you he have really, been from a long time. Yeah. I think he's got all of the skill set that you would want in a wide receiver. And there's a reason why he was highly touted coming out of IMG and highly touted when he signed with Miami out of IMG. Um, he just couldn't put it together. Couldn't get enough playing time there, had a coaching change happen. And then he made a move. Okay. Um, and then last year had an absolutely, uh, ridiculously awful season in terms of being able to stay healthy yep. could not had a horrible fall camp in terms of injuries couldn't get himself back on the field and then by that time he basically said hey look I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blow this red shirt year by playing more than four games and had enough foresight to go are you cool with me just kind of chilling here now and yep. Brett was like yeah I am because I know what kind of dy dynamic athlete you can be if you're if you're if you're healthy yeah. Uh, I think Casey Washington is a pretty solidified guy that you can have as a possession wide receiver. He does a lot of the physicality stuff that you'd want in the run game, which is really important. You ask George McDonald at, at any point, what's a critical element to what you need to do as a wide receiver at Illinois? And that's block. I mean, Casey doesn't mind putting his nose in, in, in there. And then it's year two as a wide receiver for Isaiah Williams. And uh, I said it. 
Mike, all fall, you know I did. The, the expectations for Isaiah at wide receiver, I thought last year, were just ridiculous for that young man. And, yep. and, and it wasn't his fault. Um, and I think year two is just going to produce, you know, a, another opportunity for him to feel more comfortable to be able to make plays. And, and look, Barry, Barry Looney – uh, Barry Loney Jr. is not a not a fool. Like he's going to try to get number one in the football as many times as he can, or earthly can. Yep. Um, so Isaiah needs to get healthy. He's been battling injuries all spring. Um, he needs to get healthy. You may not even see him in the spring game. I'm pretty sure we probably won't see him on Saturday. Um, but when he is fully healthy, let's see what he can do because I know that he feels a lot more confident in year two because the offense isn't schematically that much different. Like, I, I got to be honest, like he feels more comfortable in that position than, than he did last year because everything that he was, you know, I wouldn't say asked to do because I think the coaches had a realistic expectation of what Isaiah could do as a right. wide receiver. I think the fans had an unbelievably unrealistic idea of what Isaiah was going to be able to accomplish. And that's not fair to him and it's not his fault. But I think there is a point where Isaiah could be the the game changer type element that you need at, at that, especially at that slot position. And they're hoping that 2022 is is when that shows up. But uh, when you when you've already had a year under your belt at a position you've never played before competitively, you would think that the next year would be even better. And, and that's what the hope for is uh, with George McDonald and and the most dynamic player that he has in that room. And that's Isaiah Williams. Yep. Well, and, and it's 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 interesting because you know uh, defensively they picked up another defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously he won't be able to do spring ball here, but um, opportunity to to get more depth on the defensive line. Wanted to get your thoughts on that, and then the other area that I'm interested in is um, you know what's going on at the safety position when you've got a guy who's uh, Kirby Joseph will go. You know, I've seen one and only one draft that had him going in the first round, but but you know, third round seems to be a fair guess for him. Um, so they've got to replace a guy who I thought was the most um, the most effective safety I've seen at Illinois since Craig Swope. Sure. Um, let me address the first thing, which I think is an awesome story. Rashad Wilkins is a kid who Mike, I've, I've, I've wrote, I've written this in, in his introductory, you know, signing or his introductory commitment to Illinois. We're talking about a kid that out of middle school earned an academic scholarship so he could go attend Mount Carmel. Um, and so from an academic standpoint, he checks all the boxes with admissions. So boom, that was already done. Um, the only reason he ended up in junior college, Mike, was after Mount Carmel, he had an opportunity to play division three at Wisconsin Stevens Point basically ripped up his ankle so bad after two games at Stevens point that uh, he wasn't sure he was going to be able to play football when he could, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for him. He goes down to junior college in California with a couple of his buddies um, plays for a, you know, team in California, junior college team in California that ended up in the national junior college national championship game showed out there and then ends up at Vanderbilt. And why did he end up at Vanderbilt? Because he knew academically that was where he wanted to be. And that he knew also from a football standpoint, there isn't a whole lot of better defensive coach that he could play for than Derek Mason. Yep. Um, yeah, and I actually thought this kid was going to end up at Oklahoma state because Derek Mason now coordinates the defense over there in Stillwater. But 
Um, he had a he had a connection with Aaron Henry in that one year that he was with it with Vanderbilt as well, um, and decided also, look, mom wanted me to come back home, and so he's going to play his last two years because of that injury at Stevens Point, only playing two games. Brett Bielema was playing the yep playing the gambling game again and said, you know, I can get you a waiver for that second year. And they, they, they've already, they've already either gotten the, got the waiver for him or, or hundred percent confident he's going to get it, um, that he's going to actually be have two years of eligibility and not just this next 2020, 2022 year. Sorry. Um, but uh, he gets to play close to home. Mom gets to come to the home games um, now um, over in Chicago from Chicago uh, and I, I think he's going to compete. I think Rashad Wilkins is going to compete for, you know, either a starting spot or, or a lot of playing time at that nose tackle position, along with T. Rye Edwards, Calvin Avery, and Virtus Brown. And what I think it also does is it gives JMO again more options. And um, I, I, I compare him to what they, they really, really loved out of Rod Perry, um, who just left because Rod was about the same body type, about 290 pounds can get vertically up the field in a Warren Sapp type of way that you don't yep. really ask your defensive tackle to do. But what I also have found out is I do think Ryan Walters and Terrence Jamison are going to do a whole lot of interesting things on third down, which is how about we put our three best pass rushers on, on the field and not really worry about trying to clog the a gap with a big 350 pound nose tackle. Let's just go get the quarterback. And I think you're going to see Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton, and maybe, you know, Wilkins or Bryce Barnes in that type of a situation. So a lot more combinations for Jamo to work with. This just yep. gives them more options. And so I think he's going to compete for playing time. And I, I think you're starting to see that they thought, you know, nose tackle after Rod Perry leaves, um, was going to be a spot that they really needed to shore up. And I think in recruiting, you're starting to see that. And that's what you're seeing there moving to safety. Um, yeah. Kirby Joseph had a breakout year in 2021. No, there's no doubt about that. I think you're going to hear his name called earlier than people think in the NFL draft. I don't know if it's first round, but I think it should be, it could be second round and it certainly is going to be in that no later than the third round. Yep. Um, so how do you replace somebody like that? Well, I think they're just going to go back to the old stable. I really do because here's, Here's the situation that Aaron Henry and Ryan Walters are looking at. Aaron Henry coaches the cornerbacks. Ryan Walters' room is the safety room, along with coordinating the entire defense. Here's what they're looking at. They're also looking at Tony Adams' eligibility is gone now. You know, he had a great pro day, and um, they've got to replace that, uh, that corner spot that's opposite of Devin Witherspoon. So right. they've decided that Taylon Letsy is a guy that they can trust maybe with that nickel corner spot after what he did in, on special teams and in a reserve role at safety last year, um, earned a scholarship spot after, you know, being the guy that slept in his car for two years um, yep, and exactly. walk on at Illinois. Aaron Henry just calls him Mr. Reliable. I'm sorry, but like they, they like the idea of playing Mr. Reliable in that nickel corner spot. They really think that the combination of Quan Martin, Dertavius Martin, and Sidney Brown and those safety spots can really be a, a, a boom for Illinois. And I hope that they're right because I know those two guys struggled in coverage sometimes, especially on play action fakes. You could see Sidney, you know, backpedaling and kind of going and getting, allowing receivers to get behind him a little bit, at least early on when he was trying to still trying to learn this defense. Yep. Quan Martin was the same way. A lot of people point out the UTSA game in, in week two. Yeah. Those two guys got so much better after a couple of months and went on in, in the last few weeks of the season in pass coverage. 
and I I think that they're 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 at an, they're at another level. But there's young kids too. There's a Keontae Curry. There's a Daniel Edwards. There's a Dee Dee Snyder that are ready to potentially get some snaps and get some playing time at, at maybe a corner spot, at an opposite corner spot, or even maybe at a safety spot. So I think that they have more options to play with. But there's some veteran dudes that they feel really, really good about in Quan Martin and Sidney Brown and Taylon Letsy that can really maybe plug that hole that Kirby Joseph's leaving. But the good news is, Mike, that, that short of, you know, Jake Hansen, which they feel like really good about the out, inside linebacker room, and then OC leaving, you know, OC and Isaiah Gay leaving it outside linebacker, um, and then Kirby Joseph leaving at safety. Those are really the only spots that you really have to fill on defense, and they feel like they have the kind of athletes that they can they can plug those spots with on, on the defensive side of the ball. It'll be hard to replicate, in my opinion, what Ryan Walters did in year one, but if there's anybody that I think can do it, I think it's this group, and I think it's this group of coaches that have all stayed together, by the way. Uh, all five yep. on that side of the ball – stayed together and I think that there's a symmetry there of what they want to try to accomplish and with with whom they want to accomplish it with yeah and and the other story that I love you know you talk about like a special inter you know just a unique human story is the fact that we have a 29 year old freshman from Australia who used to be a police officer who is trying to be the punter I don't know if you could get a better story. And right now, if I'm, you know, maybe, maybe you and I should get together and put together a screenplay or something so we can take that to Hollywood, you know, and, and, and people would have a feel good story. So I, I kind of feel like um, because of Blake Hayes that our, uh, that our punting problems are, uh, were there and gone very quickly. What, what, what are we looking at, at the, in, in the special teams, particularly with the punting? With Hugh Robertson, Mike, we're definitely looking at somebody, and he's 29, so I don't think we're going to have this problem. We're definitely somebody who I'd want to go out and have a beer with. Yeah. I'm sorry, but, like, that's just – he has so many stories. Like, okay, former cop, Australian cop, but that was after he joined the military for a year and a half in Australia. Like, he's got got military service – he's got a military service record. He's got a police service record. Um, former Australian rules football, professional Australian rules football player. And just basically after, um, you know, going a few years as a cop decided, ah, well, you know, maybe I just want to get my college degree. Like what's out there for me to do that. And well, I had never been to the States before. Why don't I try that? And got, got hooked up with like pro kick Australia, which is exactly what we've been put together with and you're seeing these Australian rules football players infiltrate punting in, in college football. Now I, I, can't oh, I would never, I would never have a non-Australian football yeah. you know, rules. I mean, these guys are fantastic. And the thing is, you know, you bet if you've been in the military and you've been a policeman and you played Australian football rules football, which is freaking nuts. You, what's a pass for what, what's a, you know, somebody going to try to block your punt. That seems kind of minor. I, I guess have a, I guess have an image of him kind of doing the football version of Paul Hogan going, that's not a knife. You know? Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because not only does the contact not bother him, but the weather in Champaign-Urbana, especially like in the spring and in early April, doesn't really bother him either because 
he actually walked up to Brett Bielema like a couple a couple of weeks ago and just kind of looked at the head coach and said, "Great day out here, isn't it?" And Brett's literally out in a winter coat and couldn't couldn't possibly be any more miserable. And Blake, and uh, Hugh Robertson's literally like walking over him, going, "This is a great day to be outside." And so, from his standpoint, also like he he's just digging the whole college experience. He has a Mike, he has a chance to be a 34-year-old college football player, which I just can't imagine. I'm sorry, but um, he, he, he is – and honestly, I think and from a football standpoint and his job standpoint, I think he, he being able to sit back and watch Blake Hayes learn, you know, go about his craft the way he did, especially yeah. at Illinois, I think that he took a lot of that in. And I think that that's going to, that's going to help him from a mental standpoint. And a lot of what these guys do is more mental than it is physical. Um, so I think that's going to help him a lot from the kicking standpoint. you know, I said this on, on our, on our radio program uh, and, and I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, I think it's, it's got local flavor. Now, Caleb Griffin is finally ready to take over for, for James McCourt. He sat around for three years and waited and waited and waited and even tried wide receiver for a little bit and kick returner, punt returner for a little bit um, just to get on the field because he was getting so bored. Um, and I think he's now ready to take over kick. Uh, Brett Bielema was very concerned about him trying to overload his responsibilities. So before spring started, he said, look, you're, I want you to just worry about place kicking and kickoffs. I do not want you to worry about punting because the idea was is that Caleb – Caleb's just kind of an active dude. He was a four sport sports star at Danville high school. I mean, he's yep. just an active kid. Um, and he wanted to try to do all three. And Brett was like, no, I want you to master two. You know, I want you to master kickoff and I want you to master field goal kicking. Um, his kicks uh, from what I've told have been pretty, ac pretty accurate um, from 40 yards in. And now they're just trying to slowly get him closer to 50 yards. Um, but I, 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 I've, I struggled to say that you're going to see a significant dip from James McCourt because I think you will from a, from a leg strength standpoint. I don't know if from like 55 yards, you're going to go, Oh yeah, well, James will hit that, you know, right, right. not going to have that thought in your head with Caleb Griffin, but I think the closer you get, you know, I think Caleb's going to be able to put at least three points on the board. And I think, um, he's excited about the opportunity finally as, as, as a local central Illinois kid to finally prove what he can do. And, um, he's, he, he, he's ready for the opportunity. And I think that that's, that's so key because I think there's a point in which, you know, um, you're going to need Caleb in a special moment next year in 2022. And he's getting pushed by a kid named Will McManus. Who's a, who's a preferred walk-on from New Jersey, um, but I, I think Caleb's ultimately going to win the job. And what really, what really, you know, is in the back of my mind about Caleb, Mike, is that that 2020 season when James McCourt got hit with the COVID, uh, you know, yep. contact tracing with, with, you know, uh, you know, the quarterback and Doug, uh, Brandon Peters and Doug Kramer getting hit with COVID and Isaiah mm -hmm. Williams getting hit with COVID. There was that Purdue game where Caleb had to go out and kick two field goals, and he did a really, really good job. And 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 Lovey even mentioned, I didn't know what I was going to get out of my kicker today, and I got a lot out of my kicker. And that was yep. two years ago. So Caleb is not going to shy away from the moment, and I, I think he, I think he'll be just fine. Good, good. Well, now we're going to shift gears. So for you uh, folks who are don't have your seatbelts on, we're going to take a we're going to take a slide all the way over to basketball. And we're going to talk about the coaches against cancer. Um, and again, 
you know, you've got Lon Kruger. I remember this time. You've got uh, uh, Bill Self and Brad Underwood together. Um, wish I had been able to attend that because I think that is just a fascinating combination. Um, there were two times in University of Illinois history when the basketball team made it to the NCAA eight years in a row. Uh, one time, of course, was under Lou Henson before it was uh, inauspiciously uh, stopped by an NCAA investigation in which there were no infractions proven, but uh, sanctions given. And then the other one was uh, Kruger into self into uh, Weber. And those were the two times that Illinois has won, has been in there eight years in a row, which are actually uh, records for the uh, basketball program. So got you got to the, two of those coaches who were very successful. But uh, you got a couple quotes out of Coach Self that I thought were were pretty remarkable, and they weren't said, you know, when when Brad Underwood's listening. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Maybe you can kind of go over that because th this is the type of stuff Bill Self is known for being a straight shooter. And I think Illini fans need to hear what his assessment is of where our basketball program is now. Well, the first thing sounds like a Brad Underwood quote, to be honest with you. Like, I, I, I joked with Scott Ritchie of the Champagne News Gazette after he said it. I, I kind of nudged him and I was like, was that Brad Underwood or was that Bill Self? You know, and the quote was, look, if you're Illinois and you can compete to win Big Ten championships, you can compete to make a run in March. Like, and you know how Bill Self knows that is because he competed to win Big Ten championships and knew that with the teams that he had that were able to do that, he could make a run in March. Like, yep. that's that's how Bill Self literally said, I learned how to do both of those things at Illinois. I learned that I could do this at big boy ball at, at Illinois. Um, the second quote was, and I thought it was classic Bill Self, because he has a way of doing this where it's, I'm going to compliment the heck out of the dude that invited me here and the people that are happy to see me and the fans of Illinois. And I have an appreciation for this program, believe it or not, even though yep. some of you are mad that I left. Um, but Bill also has a way of reminding people of a certain thing. And I, I kind of, I, 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 look, I, I'm cynical. And I get it. And maybe he didn't mean it this way, but this is how I kind of took it, which was he kind of got a tour of everything that's going on construction wise and reconstruction wise around the athletic facilities at Illinois. Yep. And I, I have a feeling that Bill kind of in the back of his mind went, so everything that I asked Ron Gunther for, you're actually kind of doing now. Okay, cool. That's that, that sounds about right. Um, and that's kind of the way I took it, which is he kind of gave the impression, along with Lon Krug, Lon said the same thing, is that there's everything in place right now for Illinois to be unbelievably successful in men's basketball. And quite honestly, in women's basketball as well, if they, Shauna can get the program together. But they were specifically talking about the men's basketball program, what Brad is doing, and everything – facilities wise is in place everything structurally wise is in place everything and he was there that night too as well everything administration wise and I'm talking about Josh Whitman is in place for this program to be successful and if there's anybody that knows what that takes and what that what what that looks like it, I would think it would be Bill Self who's now won two national championships at a place that is you know known for being we talk about blue bloods all the time 
Kentucky or, you know, Kansas and Kentucky basically are, are in the two programs in my mind right now that always put things together in place and all the three of those things that allow you to be successful. Administratively, yeah, in basketball, administratively, in terms of facilities and in terms of giving you everything you need from a resources standpoint to succeed. And so I think Illinois, he, Bill mentioned that Illinois is in a position to do that and and uh, also gave you know, he and Brad have been friends for years and he gave a hat tip to Brad and goes, by the way, I think you've got the guy in place to be able to do that too. And uh, it's not, you know, I don't think a coincidence that this is, this was the night before, you know, they, Illinois gets a five-star guard, just like Bill Self used to do at Illinois. So um, everything is in place according to everybody in the profession. And quite frankly, and I asked him this, Mike, I think that Bill Self is one of the voices now of college basketball, whether or not he wants to admit it or not. With 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 Kay stepping aside at Duke, you're 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 in a you're in a generation now where there's not one voice anymore. But I think that there's a group of four or five supremely uh, revered voices in the sport, and Bill's one of those one of those people now. So that when he says, hey, everything here is put in place for you guys to have some big time success, I, I don't think he's just talking to talk. And so I think you, you take it for what it's worth. And for what, I, for what I took it for is a guy who understands, you know, this program is on the up. It's not on the down. And that's, that's something that I think Illinois fans can take pride in. Yeah. And, and look, um, you know, Self's won two titles there at Kansas, you know, and when he was Bucknell Bill in 2005, 2006, when he lost in the first round, if he had lost in the first round in 2007, they probably wouldn't have had a, him at coach to win a national title in 2008. But again, they've won, what, 14 or something conference championships in the last 15 years. So, so they basically get into the tournament every year. You look at Michigan State and Izzo's on, what, 23 or 24 in a row, and he's won one. So Illinois just needs to keep this team, you know, getting those first, second, third, fourth seeds, being at the top of the Big Ten and do that year in, year out. And you will go on a roll and you will win a national title. When you think of the fact that Illinois' record is only eight, tournaments in a row and they've done it twice when you compare that to the individual accomplishments of a self or an Izzo it shows you that Illinois has too many of these fits and starts so let's get let's keep coach Underwood in place he's really essentially got three in a row right now he would have and and he'll keep building on it and that's just the way it'll be from now on and then one of those years he will get the national title I think Illinois is where it needs to be and the last thing, Mike, I wanted to point out, and I, I, I was struck by this, was you're, sit, you're sitting there in Gordyville with, you know, Brad Underwood in the middle, flanked by Bill Stealth and Lon Kruger. And I, I just imagine that there's a whole bunch of people that would have been in Brad Underwood's situation that would have been, you know, either their ego would have been too big or their confidence wouldn't have been big enough to be put in that situation or want to be put in that situation. And, and, and Underwood for, and I know we're cynical and all this. I know for a fact that Underwood's, you know, was seeking it out. He thought that this was important. I'm going to be the guy 
who brings Brett, who brings Bill back to central Illinois for the first, for the third time he's ever been here in the last 20 years. I'm going to be the guy who makes a phone call and says, Hey, Lon, can you come back out from Vegas? I'll fly you out from Vegas over into Savoy and we'll, we'll do this event. Um, you know, it, it proves to me, I don't know how you feel about it, Mike, that Brad Underwood feels like he's established himself enough at Illinois to say, not only can I stand here and feel confident enough to stand here, but I also am appreciative enough to understand that the dude to my left and the dude to my right had a significant, you know, portion of Illinois basketball history, and they have a right to get out in the public and, 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 and make fans feel good again about these two guys. And instead of feeling maybe bitter that Bill Self left or that Lon Kruger left for the NBA and haven't been back in a lot, a lot of time since, um, I just, Bill, Brad Underwood's never going to be a shrinking violet in that regard, but I also feel like he also put his ego aside and said, look, it's important for these guys to be here tonight. And it's, it might be more important for these guys to be here tonight than I'm here tonight. And, right. um, there's a lot of people, Mike, that are, you know, closer to my dad's age that will never be more appreciative of what Brad Underwood tried to put together at that night at Gordyville outside of Rantoul um, than, than a lot of people, you know, closer to my age that won't understand why Brad Underwood would want to do that. Um, you know, and, and that, that generation of Illini, both of those generation of Illini fans are important, but I, I can appreciate Brad Underwood, you know, reaching out to the older generation of Illini fans saying, hey, the, the guy to my left and the guy to my right who you cheered for when he was on the sideline, you, you know, you should have an opportunity to walk up and thank them and, and to get your picture taken with them and have a good time with them. And I, I just felt like that was a big deal for Underwood to maybe almost do as, as an egoless thing out of, out of, you know, for the and, and to raise over $280,000 for coaches versus cancer. Right, right, and yeah, and that's that's something we don't want to uh, overlook because that's a heck of a job by uh, Illinois fans and uh, Illinois administration to get that put together. Yet another uh, evening that you see the way this um, this this administration works under Josh Whitman. That you've got a you've got a um, competency that has not been in the athletic director's seat since Neil Stoner, um, and I. I think that's just awesome because, you know, you can, you can do things and, and uh, the right way. And you can also uh, win games and you can build the community up and, and, and do these type of things because uh, obviously uh, coaches versus cancer is a fantastic cause. And to put that type of shoulder behind it and uh, you know, 280,000 is just unbelievable amount of money to raise. So fantastic job overall. Yeah, I thought it was like to, to, to add into your point quickly, Mike, about what you said about Josh. You know, Brett Bielema and Jen were there that yep. night. Um, I, I, I saw Doug Altenberger. I saw Deion Thomas. I saw Corey Bradford. I saw Mike Small. I saw a whole bunch of other guys that are related to University of Illinois athletics that wanted to come together post-COVID. All Everybody, every member of the Illinois basketball staff was there. Um from Joey Biggs all the way to Greg Alexander and Chester Frazier and Tim, Tim Alexander. Um, it, it just kind of shows that it like, look, I mean, I think Josh has a lot of stroke. If I call you and say, Hey, look, I, I really like for you to be at this time. Like then it's, then they're there, you know? And, and um, I saw Brett Bielema taking a whole bunch of pictures as much as Bill self was taking pictures with people because yep. 
if there's anybody that can get along with everybody who was there at Gordyville, trust me, and, and it would be Brett Bielema. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think you have, I, you know, Mike, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I think that there's a not only a collection of colleagues in the head coaching community right now at the University of Illinois, but also in the administration at Illinois, University of Illinois right now that that feel connected no matter what sport or, you know, what their responsibility is in the athletic department. I think there's a connectivity to everybody right now that feels kind of cool. And, and the, the, the example or the, the evidence I can show to you is the people that have reached out to Shauna Green, the new women's basketball coach, and said, hey, if I, if I can help you in any way, shape, or form, turn this around as quickly as possible or help you with your job or the transition or anything, let me know. And, and there's been a whole bunch of people that have reached out to her already that with you know, just support or help and everything. So the connectivity is pretty awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like I said, it's, you can see the, there's, there's just a, um, you know, you look at the hiring that has been done and you look at the, um, you know, the, the way things are run and there's a lot of reasons for Illini fans to start thinking that the twenties will be the twenties belong to the Illini, just like the eighties did. So it could looks like we're on the, the precipice of a really, really fun uh, era. And I think it's already started with Underwood leading the basketball team. I think you'll see Bielma joining in with the football team. Um, obviously, you know, the golf program is, is spectacular already. We've got strong sports all over the place. And, and then you get a chance here with another strong coach to have women's basketball join that group. Um, going to be good times to be an Illini fan. Great times for those people living in Illinois to partake in some uh, uh, what could be a, a golden era again. And maybe we'll have more, more of those, those years that I grew up where you had 20, you know, the, the top 15, top 10 teams in both football and basketball was a special time to be around. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think Illinois is in, in a good spot and I, all three of those guys that I talked to um, that were the headlining event of that coach's cancer thing said so. And I think you can take what they have to say and, and with, uh, with a, uh, a, a good scouting eye because they know what they're talking about. And quite frankly, all three of those guys, being Brad Underwood, Bill Self, and Lon Kruger have all seen Illinois at the precipice of consistently every year competing for Big Ten titles. And yep. that's, that's, that's something that I think – I. I wasn't sure I was going to see that again. Um, and I think Brad Underwood's done an excellent job of, of bringing Illinois back to where Bill Self had it. And quite honestly, where Elon Kruger had it too, when he took over for Lou. So um, that's, that's, that's a good, Illinois basketball is just in a good place. Yeah. And one last thing before we go, cause it sticks in my crawl when I have to hear people talk about, well, you know, Brad Underwood, um, you know, we, we lose in the first round and it's like, no, 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 no they have they have taken care of business in their first game and they've 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 faced two teams that were under uh, seeded now they lost didn't make it into the second weekend which is your goal and i'm sure coach underwood would say that but it's a lot different as a, as a longtime illini fan um again i don't want to lose to loyola i'd like to beat houston but there is a far cry from an NCAA where you have Dick Vitale being forced to stand on his head because they lose to, um, you know, uh, Austin, Austin P, P. P, who who was really before beating Illinois, 
was was basically famous for having a point guard by the name of Fly Williams, yep. and they would chant all game, the fly is open, let's go pee. And, I mean, that was literally what they were known for until yep. they beat Illinois. So when I hear people try to equate, or even like when Kansas got beat by Bucknell, or when Iowa gets beat in the first round, Illinois versus Austin P. you know, Coach Underwood has taken care of business on the first. They've, his teams have taken care of business in the first round, and now they need that natural progression where they take take care of business and get into the second weekend. And that's the point of going every year to the tournament because then you get that opportunity to get on that run because, as, as you and I talked prior to this, this thing starting, this is not one of Bill Self's better Kansas team, but it does have a trophy. And if you're there every year, you get a chance at that trophy. Yeah, if you sit if you sit at the end of the craps table with dice in your hand in March, you always yep. give yourself a chance. And the only thing I'll add to that, Mike, is I'll, I mean I don't mean to name drop, but I talked to Corey Bradford, I talked to Tom Michael, who's the athletic director at Eastern, but a pretty darn good player in his day at Illinois. Talked to Dion, Dion Thomas, um, and talked to Doug Altenberger, who were all there at, at Gordyville. All of them said the same summary, which is it is great to have Illinois basketball back to yep. where, where I remember it being. And th- that's, that's different generations. Doug played in a different generation than Tom Michael did, than Dion did, that Corey Bradford did. But they all experienced Illinois at the precipice of, you know, being able to win Big Ten championships every year. And I just think that they, they understand what it looks like. They know what it looks like. And they think this is what it looks like right now at Illinois. And, and they're seeing a lot of similarities. So when they all tell me the exact same thing, then I start to believe that I think Brandon has got this going the way it needs to be going. Yep. Yep. Those are good. Those are good words to close on. So uh, that was Matt Stevens, the Atlanta guy staff writer, the beat writer for the football team and the guy who does a lot of help uh, covering the basketball team. Uh, a couple of things I'd like to tell everybody. First off is, you know, AtlantaGuys.com. You've got to be here for the transfer portal. Uh, Brad Sturdy, Kedrick Prince are the two guys who are as close to the basketball program as you can be without being in it. And they have the news before it's anywhere else. So please try to give it, go ahead and join us. You get a seven day free trial. I think you'll like it. You will definitely be here at the end of seven days, you'll be here at the end of a year. Trust me, that's the way it works. Uh, next thing is Alana Guys Sports Spectacular. That's our two-hour radio experience every week, uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday on a radio station near you. Go to alanaguys.com, hit the radio button. You can see that we are up to 30. That is not a typo, folks. We are up to 30 different stations that are broadcasting us. You can hear us throughout Illinois. Please take a look at uh, for a station that's near you. Find the time that they're on. Tune in and please call up that station and say thank you for having the Illini guys on. And of course, we also have a full family of podcasts. You have Kedrick's uh, Ked's Recruiting Roundup. He gives you recruiting from the other side of the fence, not on what the recruit can do, not on how the recruit fits into the roster, but instead what the recruit is saying, what his family is saying, or what his coaches are saying. Totally unique. And then we have Sturdy for 30, which is Brad's award-winning uh, podcast that goes and has people from across the country or 
line eye deep uh, who can give us interviews and he can talk to them about what's going on. We have all those. So please subscribe to those and listen to them. And if you had a good time listening to this, please give us a five-star rating. It does do wonders for us. And with that, I will say thank you very much. Go Illini.